welcome back. We are now on to episode three of the Dynasty Owner's Manual. My name is Chris Allen, and I will be your host again for the evening. I'm here with my partner in crime, as always, Adam Wildey, and we have a very special guest yet again this week. Uh, we have Tom. Now, Tom, you're going to have to... Adam and I were <laughs> arguing about this before we started. So now we're going to need the proper pronunciation of your last name, so I don't want to butcher it. I don't want to be that guy to butcher your last name, so I'm going to put you on the spot here in a little bit in order to introduce yourself. And uh, we'll get into uh, our topic of, of this evening, which is IDP. But uh, real quick, Adam, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing excellent. Glad to have another great guest on. Can't yeah. wait. Exactly, exactly. So now, Tom, we know it's late for you since you are across the pond, as they say. So, uh, Tom, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, let it, you know, let the listeners know, uh, you know, who you are and uh, what you do? Yeah, hello. Uh, my name is Tom Kislingberry. Uh, look, it looks strange. It's a funny name, so apologies for that. Uh, Tom K is absolutely fine. If anybody's ever confused about it, it's, <laughs> uh, it's one of those English names that that looks a little bit weird. So, I, um, I kind of call myself an IDP guy, I guess. Uh, why not so i i'm obviously english uh there's not a huge amount of football fans over here i started watching the nfl in the late 90s first game i ever watched was uh patriots packers um super bowl in early 97 whenever it was um and watched the sport for a few years and kind of steadily learned more and more about it and then come the early noughties i was watching a lot of football and i was paying a lot of attention to football um, and then it just kind of ramped up more and more and more. And then over the last uh, couple of years, really, I've been very involved with um, the fancy world and, and trying to write a bit more about football and, and talk about stuff. Um, and that's it. So I, I work for DLF. I write quite a lot of articles on there and get a lot of stuff up. Um, I host the IDP podcast, the Read and React, and I generally just chat about football with anyone who will have me. So thank you very much. Yes, and we are more than happy to have you on our podcast this evening and yet again. And once again, thank you for taking the time to, to talk with us. So again, you say you're an IDP guy, you know, and that's, and that's your specialty. So what, what made you specialize in this particular format? I mean, as we've kind of got into it over the last couple of weeks, there are a number of different formats that you can you know, get into with, uh, with Dynasty. So what made you pick IDP? Two reasons. Number one, the most obvious one being just because it's it's a bit difficult, isn't it? Um, IGP in many ways is seen as the, I think, uh, the black sheep of the fantasy world. So a lot of people just think it, it's for the weirdos and, and the crazy guys that hang around in the shadows because who wants to know 400 different defensive players and follow them? Um, I think that's really interesting. I, the reason I like football and fantasy football as well, but generally just football, is the complexity because there's so many moving parts and so many things going on. It's so hard to figure out what's going on. So in lots of other sports um, that are a bit simpler, it's really easy to work out who's going to win. Yeah, You just look at, you know, basketball is a good example. Basketball is generally about who's got the biggest star player. Yeah? Um, you look at soccer and you're kind of trying to find out who's got the, be- uh, the best goal scorer over a year. Um, you can look at rugby union. Uh, do you guys know what rugby union is? All right, we we'll do, we'll do another podcast. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, that might Great be a whole sport. other podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you, you guys don't want to know. There's a lot of a lot of wriggling and a lot of cuddling. It's brilliant. Anyway, um, in rugby union, the game is won by who's got the biggest, baddest pack. Generally, that makes sense. But football is really hard because there's so many different things going on on each and every play, let alone everything. And I just love the complexity of trying to work out how it all fits together and what influences what and what changes all the other things. And I think defense is, is the way that comes to fruition because you kind of start watching football and, and you, you follow the ball, right? Everyone does that. Well, well, I certainly did when I was learning. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't grown up with it, so I was figuring it out from scratch. And he's watching the ball and working out where it's going. And that's cool. And after a while, you kind of understand difference between different sort of running plays and what zone blocking looks like versus power schemes. And you work out what different routes look like, all that sort of stuff. And that's cool. You get it. But then you want a bit more. And then you're starting to understand what all the defensive calls look like. What does cover three look like compared to cover two? What does a shallow zone look like compared to different run uh, assignments? How do you spot a robber versus a strong safety to come up into the box, play dime uh, linebacker, etc., etc., etc.? It's just complicated and it's interesting. And I love the infinite variety it goes into defensive football. And Tom, forgive me for not having the specific quote, but we had discussed this before, and I thought this quote was phenomenal. Um, so you told me that if somebody were interested in getting into whiskey, they would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about they that. They would have they would have a, quite a bit of whiskey to go in uh, to go through. So instead, they just started sucking on whiskey flavored candy, and that was 
an excellent example of why we choose offense and just stick to offense because it would be a lot of work to go into IDP. But um, I think what we're going to get through through this podcast is that it's uh, well worth the work, and it's actually a ton of fun, even though it seems to be the redheaded stepchild of the industry. <laughs> yeah, and I've got I've got a redheaded child as well, so I know how difficult that is. Oh man, <laughs> you're absolutely right. We were having that conversation. The reason I brought it up was because you know the fancy world approaches um, offense only football, and they think that's normal. And IDP is really weird. But surely fancy should be a reflection of what actual football is. Right? We play it because we love the sport, not the other way around. Um, and the actual sport, at any one time, this is we've said this before, there's 22 players on the field. Normal, offensive football has quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And that's six players out of those 22. Which seems crazy. That's about right. a quarter. It's about three quarters of the whole of football that is not reflected. Now, offensive line, that's a whole different podcast because I don't get O-line. You know, I, I just can't. I can't get my head around it. That's a whole different kettle of fish. But all of that side on, on defense, I mean, people that only follow running backs and linebackers and tight ends and quarterbacks, what do they do? Just not look at any defensive players? They not kind of remember who's who? I mean, surely if you're any sort of football fan, let alone an obsessive football fan that people claim they are, then you're paying attention to all that stuff and you're trying to work out what's going on on both sides of the ball. Um, maybe not, but it just seems obvious to me. So, so the reason you follow both sides of it is to understand the sport better. Not because you're trying to be a bit weird, just because football is great, and it is. And uh, yeah, I, w- I would 100 percent agree with that sentiment. Because if I'm not mistaken, I mean, is it is the is the product that's available to watch game tape called the All Eleven, or is it called the All Twenty Two? <laughs> so I'm, t- I'm trying to. I'm trying a very to, good know, point. I mean, you know, so there, there's more than just the just the folks that you know the score the touchdowns and get on the highlight reels that are that are of importance. You know, especially when it comes to not just fantasy football, but just football in general. And I would say, without a doubt, if we are fantasy football fans, I would like to think that most of us were football fans first. And if you are a football fan, then you do enjoy players or watching or understanding both sides of the football. So the, I think your point is, is very well, very well taken. So moving on to that, so we're talking about, again tonight, we're talking about IDP formats. So can you kind of get us going with uh, just a general overview of what IDP is, like what it means, uh, you know, and how you kind of get into that particular format? Uh, yeah, IDP is, is trying to score individual defensive players instead of uh, trying to score the whole team. So for everything that your defensive players uh, do on the field, they will get a corresponding points uh, amount, the same way as your offensive football players would. So instead of um, receptions and yards and touchdowns, you're looking at tackles, interceptions, sacks, etc., etc. It gets a bit more complicated because defensive players do kind of different sorts of things. Um, it's not as simple as just doing tackles. If you score tackles on its own, and really that's how IDP started, um, the first IDP I started was probably in the late 90s. I remember Dwayne Washington, the old Steelers uh, safety. He was a star on my team. Um, then again, I think I had Garrison Hurst that year. So it was a while ago. Ooh, wow. Anyway, um, yeah, so it was kind of tackles only back then. Maybe sacks and maybe inception. And things have changed quite a lot because actually those, those plays don't necessarily reflect good players. Uh, we'll talk about cornerbacks in a little bit, but you need to have some more numbers to really reflect people. And the way we break that down normally in most leagues is uh, defensive tackles, defensive ends, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. Now, obviously, none of that is 100% because you guys watch a lot of football. There's not some line between what is a, a linebacker and what is a safety. Right. Players don't have to line up in a certain place. If, if you look at that, I might call him a safety, you might call him a linebacker, you might say he's a safety who's come up to play linebacker. You know, there's no way of defining it, really. Even when people say, oh, this guy's a, a, an outside linebacker and not a defensive end, there's no definition. You don't have to have a certain number of players line up on the line of scrimmage on defense. So I, I don't think it's as simple as has he got his hand in the dirt or not. That's what people think is different between defensive end and outside linebacker um but really it's point of contention anyway that was a bit uh sideways so generally what happens in idp is um is you're tackling mostly on a you're scoring mostly on tackles there are loads of other things well but you're looking for guys to rack up a lot of points right um so your bobby wagner's your quan alexander's your luke keekley's those guys are going to put up a lot of stats now just the way the the nfl happens just the way stats are recorded generally your inside linebackers are going to get the lion's share of all those numbers just because most plays in the nfl go either inside or you're passing across the middle you know 
you're looking at a free safety and the ball just doesn't go near him that often in the game. It might go near him five or ten times, something like that. If you're looking at your middle linebacker, Luke Keekley being a classic example, then the ball's going near him 20, 30 times. So it just, it just happens a lot. And also, so, uh, as you mentioned, with sometimes the players playing a position that he's not necessarily considered on maybe my fantasy league, if that's the site you're playing on, uh, similar to Jadavion Clowney, sometimes he he was identified as a defensive end, I want to say for a while, or maybe speculated to be, and then <laughs> now he should be an outside linebacker, correct? Great, great and, example. Right, and then your score, your scoring could be totally different for a defensive end as opposed to a lineman, and you might have to, or sorry, as opposed to a linebacker, and you might have to start um, more linebackers than you would defensive end, so then his value would change, so that would significantly change your roster construction at that point had that player changed positions. Exactly that, and, and the biggest the biggest point of contention in IDP is um, how that works between pass rushers. Uh, to be honest, because the number of defensive ends, the number of good defensive there ends there are in the league is actually pretty low. There's not that many, so the number of people that get um, ten sacks a year is pretty consistent. It's about ten players a year from the edge. Now, some of them are linebackers, some of them are defensive ends, but depending on your scoring, you're probably going to have tackles set higher for defensive linemen than for linebackers because linebackers put up a lot more tackles and it's not really fair there. You know, if, if you have them equal, then you just get a team full of linebackers that's going to do well and defensive ends just won't put up that many numbers. Um, if you try and equalise them, then it'll work out. So Jatavian Clowney's a really interesting one. So I think he will be a, a linebacker this year and I think he probably should be a linebacker this year because basically he plays linebacker when JJ Watt is fit and when JJ Watt is injured, he plays a lot more defensive end. Now, it's not as simple as one or the other because, you know, they move him around and he's a bit of a weapon and he pops up in different places. But that's generally the trend. So you're kind of watching and, and working out what's going on. So uh, let's talk about positional flexibility. So on the offensive side of the ball, let's uh, name a player who moves around a lot. Can you give me somebody who's flexible? A uh, Swiss army knife, as they say. Tavon Austin. There you go. Tavon Austin. Great example, you know, everyone thinks he's a wide receiver, running back, real high, uh, hybrid, something like that. I think off the top of my head, he, he played about 20, 25 snaps in the backfield, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, last year. Sounds it's super right. low. So generally, whenever you look at one of those players like that, uh, Christian McCaffrey being another good example, yep. um, Curtis Samuel, it just doesn't happen very often. Those, those players are almost always... Um, wide receivers who have lined up in in running back probably less than 20 times a season on the defensive side of the of the ball that happens all the time so if you look at safeties in particular they're lining up in linebacker spots they're lining up deep they're lining up in strong safety they're lining up on edge they're mm-hmm. playing in the slot quite a lot it's just hard to define what people are so certainly in the idp world you're looking a lot because if that player suddenly starts playing a, a different role then he might be a lot more um, valuable depending on on what he's going to be asked to do so a couple of players that come to mind, and I would like to know if they're more valuable because of this, is uh, first Sua Cravens from two years ago, and then also Tyron Matthew, his whole career, um, have lined up basically wherever, kind of like the Troy Palomale role, um, maybe not the, quite the tackler, but uh, does that add value to your team at all? Uh, it depends what position it is. So who's the first one? Sue Craven. So sure. yes and no. So as a rookie, he was um, classified generally. Let's talk about MFL, but you know other platforms exist. You can play with them. Um, he was generally classified as a safety, but he was playing an awful lot of box linebacker. So on... Um, you know, in passing situations, he would come forward and line up as a orthodox linebacker, really. So, therefore, he had a lot more tackle opportunities. He was more efficient. He was putting up more points. Brilliant. You want someone who's classified as a safety who is actually playing at linebacker. That's awesome. Dion Buchanan was the same. Um, Perfect. Uh, yep. The same year. He, he was basically a starting linebacker, but he was classified as safety. So, he's great for you. Um, Tira Matthew is an interesting one. So, so he plays slot, yeah? I mean, slot is basically yep. his position. He, he's played a lot of free safety at different times. He's played outside corner. He's done a lot of other stuff. Most of the time, he's in the slot. Um, so it depends, it depends how he's classified. Because uh, generally, we don't have a separate slot designation. You have either corner or safety back. Uh, <laughs> cornerback or safety. Sorry, that was very <laughs> weird. That was me sounding very English. Um, and it just depends what you're doing more. So Kenny Vaccaro, everyone thought Kenny Vaccaro was... Um, 
is this strong safety because he's got tattoos and everyone thinks he must be rough tough. Last year he was a slot back. He was basically playing the same position as Jeremy Matthew. Yes, they played the game in a different way, but he's lining up in the same place. So should they be classified the same? I don't know. Um, it's an interesting debate. Generally with corner and safety, it's not that much of a benefit unless it goes the other way. So who was the Lions cornerback? Uh, that played strong safety for the last two years. No, not big no, place like the other no. one. Um, can't remember who it was. Anyway, uh, someone not very good. And basically, uh, they had some injuries. So Tavon Wilson was injured. Uh, Miles Killebrew is not very good. Um, so in week 16, they played whoever it was. Can't remember. I'll come up with it in a minute. That uh, strong safety. And all of a sudden, we were going, whoa, this is interesting. In fact, no, it was week 15, 16, because it was played there for fancy semifinals and fancy finals. So people who were paying attention all of a sudden had someone who's cornerback um, designated, i.e. not scoring that many points because corners don't have a huge number of um, play opportunities, who was on the field playing strong safety in the box and making tackles. He was he was a game changer. Um, if he was in your lineup, then you probably did quite well. So let me list a few uh, corners here, and then we'll stick to the corner discussion as pertains to fantasy. So these are just some general fantasy points scored last year. Tredavious White had 109.5, Jalen Ramsey, 89, Desmond King, 104, Marshawn Lattimore, 90.5. So what we noticed there is that the big names that everybody knows, the phenomenal rookie, defensive rookie of the year, Marshawn Lattimore, and then, of course, Jalen Ramsey, a little bit lower. I mean, they're, they're still right around there, but they're a little bit lower. Uh, so that brings me to my question. Uh, how do you approach the defensive back position and what exactly are you looking for from a fantasy corner to put up the most points for your team? It's a good question. Uh, and this is this is one of the biggest issues. So often when you ask non-ID people why they don't play, they go, oh, it's really bad because you're looking for bad players, not good players. And I get that. Uh, it's, it's not really true, though, apart from at cornerbacks, where it is an issue. So let me answer the question in the order you uh, ask them. One, the way I would approach it is through scoring system. So a lot of leagues, uh, it's changing more and more, um, have cornerbacks primarily based on the number of tackles they, they rack up. And, you know, if you've got a smart offensive coordinator and a cornerback, who are they throwing at? Patrick Peterson or Justin Bethel opposite him? It's Justin Bethel, obviously, because he's not very good. Um, therefore, the guy he's covering is going to catch the ball and Justin Bethel taps him on the bum and he falls over. Tackle, brilliant. Uh, you're getting a load of fancy points. <laughs> Patrick Peterson. Out there, locked down, sitting in his, uh, in his wide receiver's hip pocket, not allowing anything and, and not getting any fancy points. So it is a problem. What generally happens, and um, I think is is good, if you correlate the number of passes defensed against um, player quality, and the way I've done that for the last couple of years is use PFF grade, then actually you get a much better correlation than you get at corners. So in in your fantasy league, if you're changing the scoring, then lower the the points for tackles for corners maybe a point maybe half a point for a tackle or something like that you know those guys that rack up loads of tackles probably shouldn't be um doing that well um honestly because it, it denotes they're not very good and ratchet up the passes defense uh, to maybe four or five something like that the, the highest passes defense per year are probably going to be up 30 i think marcus peters had 37 uh, in 2016 something like that um but you know you're going to get 2025 so those five points uh, on average are not so streaky as, as you might get for you know 15 points for an inception or something you see in crazy leagues. Uh, so you don't get that huge variance, but you actually reward um, cornerbacks um, with good play. So with that being said, I mean, you're talking about, or at least you're trying to identify different types of players or at least the value of those players that might go up and down depending on uh, their, their skill on the field. So, and you're talking about also changing the scoring settings and whatnot, depending on you know the value of a tackle versus the value of a you know a pass defense, something like that. So, how deep down the rabbit hole can you go when it comes to setting up an IDP type of format? It's getting better and better. So, uh, one of the things that's sweeping the IDP world at the moment is should you reward um, uh, players for QB hits? So, sacks, yeah, no problem at all. But we've seen over the last three or four years i think everyone's finally realized that pressure to sacks is not a linear equation it's not as simple as you get loads of pressure you get a load of uh sacks jabal sheard was a good example i believe he was seventh or eighth in um in total pressures last year in the nfl and he only had three or four sacks not very much at all so you know in a lot of um fantasy leagues he was not massively valuable but you probably should have been he had a, a really really good year 
what's the other example? Julius Peppers. Uh, Julius Peppers, I think, had 10 sacks last year, but he only played 500 snaps, something like that. It was a part-time player, and he didn't put up a lot. It's just a loss of his pressure turned out to be a sack. So if if you start rewarding um, QB hits, then then that starts to get it a bit closer. You you remove some of those outliers from both ends just because the volume is so much higher. Now, you could theoretically start uh, rewarding points for... Um, for putting quarterbacks under pressure but yeah that's totally subjective right has he got has he got that close was the quarterback scared was he not was he affected you're guessing um so who knows but if, if you touch the quarterback that feels like you're getting close enough at the pass rusher to start getting points for but beyond that then you're generally looking at solos um assisted tackles ah so here's a fun thing we should talk about um the tackle is not an official nfl stat i'm sure you guys know this uh yes. some of your listeners might not um, it is not something the NFL uh, tracks centrally. So it's quite hard to get that data. The tackles are actually decided entirely by the local stat crews. Um, those people, although they should be impartial, um, if you are generally given free tickets to your local football team and paid by them, I'm going to say you're not totally neutral in uh, which team you want to support. No. And that changes by stat crew. I mean, yeah, call me, call me a crazy Englishman for saying it. So you look at the stat crews and they're really different. So in Seattle, um, they are very, very happy to hand out assists. So Bobby Wagner, uh, I always freaks me out calling him Bobby Wagner because clearly Bobby Wagner should be named after <laughs> the old German uh, composer. Anyway, Bobby Wagner um, in 2016 led the NFL in, in assists by like 25 assists or something like that. Because as soon as there was a tackle, if he was anywhere near at the local stat crew again, yeah, Bobby, you're the man, you were there. Um, and then you've got some stat crews that... Uh, so Wembley uh, in London are totally the other way. Wembley basically hand out no assists. Um, you get a solo, and the person who made that tackle gets solo, and nobody else really gets anything whatsoever. Um, so the, the good ability of your players to score entirely depend on where they're playing. So if you're playing... If, you're, if your star uh linebackers playing at home and then you have another linebacker that you're thinking of starting is there a big difference is that a big enough difference that you might throw them in there yeah depending on the stat crews absolutely um it would depend awesome. on who the individual ones are um but yeah that it does definitely make a big difference um i would i would generally avoid starting idps who are in wembley i mean well part of me wants to say i don't want to do it because you don't get the assist points but it's always quite nice having people in your team when you're live watching them physically so i probably would anyway that's a, that's a very interesting nugget. That's very fun to get into. Uh, this next part that I want to get into is speaking a little to the offensive side of the ball. We're familiar with the ADP hit that skill positions take after significant injuries as opposed to the quarterback position. And we're going to pertain that to IDP a little bit here in just a second. Here's some quick numbers. So Carson Wentz's IDP in a one-quarterback league at the time of his injury was 54th overall. His current ADP is 43. Deshaun Watson, his injury, 60.75. Current ADP, 55.5. Now we get to the running backs. So David Johnson, 5.5 at the time of his wrist injury, uh, currently 8.65. So small drop, but pretty significant when you're in the top 12. Chris Thompson was 86.75 at the time of his injury and currently 101.5. So what's that saying to me is that as soon as a player goes down, that's not a quarterback, value is going to drop significantly because you don't know how they're going to come back. Uh, We have some data on how players come back from different ACL injuries. And then also what that says to me is that the quarterback position, you don't really worry about it so much, even though... Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson are both incredibly mobile. You still don't seem to worry about it that much. As we see, you've got ADP increases. So my question to you is, on the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about a few guys, namely J.J. Watt and Eric Berry, who are coming off large injuries. And what do you think it would have done to their ADP had we had IDP, ADP, ADP data? Um, it's a great question, actually. I haven't had this conversation anywhere else, so um, kudos to you guys for uh, debating it, because it's really interesting. I might have to do some numbers on it. Um, let's talk about J.J. Watt first, shall we? Because J.J. Watt is the man, and, and he hasn't really played very much in two years, so we've all forgotten a little bit. But, but let's remember just how good J.J. Watt has been. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest pass rushers to have ever stepped on the NFL field. He is amazing. He had, what, three 20-sack seasons in, in four years? Something crazy like that. Those are... It's a ridiculous numbers. 
but JJ Watt has fallen in, in ADP terms quite a lot. So uh, he missed the whole of 2016. He missed 10, 11 games last year, and he wasn't very good in the other ones. He, he was piling up pressure, but he didn't have a sack. And, and definitely people are spooked um, doing auctions and snake drafts at the moment. Then all of a sudden, JJ Watt has dropped down to mid-round, uh, something like that. Um, whereas before, he was he was clearly the first um, IDP taken, and it wasn't close. He, he, was, he was a monster, and he still could be a monster. I'm really hoping he is. But he's been out for two years, and he's coming off two devastating injuries, and he's nearly 30. Um, so so it's kind of killed him. You can't buy him at the moment, because anyone that's been holding on to JJ Watt for this whole time is absolutely convinced he's going to come back and dominate obviously otherwise I wouldn't hold on to sure. it um, but in startups you, you can get amazing value so it, it's a gamble but I, I will gamble on pass rushes all day long especially if there's someone who's shown they can do it so yeah I'm, I'm going after him got you and what about Eric Berry how's his uh, injury now correct me if I'm wrong I believe this is the second unless I'm only thinking of the cancer which he fought very spectacular that he did that but I also believe that there was another ligament injury in there how are we viewing him coming into next season honestly I'm kind of okay with Eric Berry I, I don't think I've dropped him massively in my rankings uh, whatsoever I'm, I'm assuming he comes back at something close to um, full speed so I, I certainly haven't seen him take that sort of crazy precipitous drop that uh, JJ Watt has recently but Eric Berry was he's always a better NFL player than he was um, IDP actually because he plays deep quite a lot so it goes back to tackle opportunities as well so there's two things going on here there's the injury and there's also his position um, and maybe the two of them confused. Maybe I'm only, I'm only taking into account uh, the wrong thing. I don't know. But I don't think Eric Berry has totally fallen off it. As long as someone can remember that he exists rather than you know have him down at the bottom of uh, MFL where you don't see him, then, then I think he's kind of coming off uh, still. He's still seen as a top 15 safety in the league, I think. What do you guys think? I think that Eric Berry was probably the most fun player I've seen. And he was also a big reason that I picked up an orphan team that I did because one, (laughs) I wanted to get back into IDP uh, because I had to drop my first league when I went off onto deployment. And so just looking for another IDP to get in, but you see that name, Eric Berry, and you're thinking, Oh my goodness, this guy's a monster. But you know what? I would, I haven't looked at the numbers yet and you're actually probably right because I do recall him playing deep quite often and he's one of those guys that, did come in late on the tackles quite often so maybe he's getting those favorable assists um you know when he's playing at home you know maybe he really isn't as valuable as you think and maybe he does fall into that trap of the big name just as we talked about with the cornerback position well i think he is a little bit but he but he's brilliant sorry chris i you know if you like him and who doesn't like eric berry because because he's tough and he's a really good player to watch then then you own him anyway that that's what the game's about right anyway sorry chris what are you saying buddy oh no no no. Uh, i was just gonna chime in and say that uh, at least for in the case of eric berry i can't think of a player that's returning from injury their situation i think really is conducive towards them being able to perform in the upcoming year i mean look at what kansas city is going through in terms of their defensive rotation i think at least from a narrative standpoint i I think his talent and also what kansas city is going to need from him in the upcoming season i think it's i think it sets up really well for him in order to perform and i think he is one of those guys that will present a ton of value for upcoming drafts what does losing a cornerback like marcus peters do to a safety because uh, can we expect a, maybe a jump in numbers because he's going to be on those deep balls, the one defending, assuming that whoever fills in for Marcus Peters, who I'm sure you know of, is getting beat deep? <laughs> it's a great question. Yeah, he might be. I mean, honestly, I'm looking at um, uh, the Chiefs in my projection model at the moment thinking, I don't know who that, who's going to be that number one uh, corner. I mean, you've got to think they draft someone, uh, but do you really want to trust a rookie corner to be your number one? It's such a hard position. So I, I agree with both of you. It It's clearly a redesigned uh, defense. I, I think they... They went into last year and they thought, we've got a championship-level defense and had a good go at it. And for a good chunk of 2017, they were the best team in the league. So I'm fine with that. Didn't quite work out. There's a couple of brilliant pieces on that. I love Chris Jones. Um, Anthony Hitchens signing free agency. I think he's set for a really good year. I love Justin Houston, even though he's getting um, old. Um, and then after that, you've kind of got some issues. Eric Berry's there, but across from him, Ron Parker and Daniel Sorensen kind of play a bit further forward. Mm, not that excited. Kendall Fuller came in. I really like Kendall Fuller, but he's not 
he's not your classic number one corner. He's not going to be, you know, picking up number one receivers and shadowing over the place. He's going to play in two uh, wide receiver sets and he's going to play in the slot on um, three or more wide receiver sets. So a nice player. I'm not sure he's going to be a superstar. And then opposite Justin Houston, who's his second edge guy? Frank Gombo, D Ford. They're okay players. Uh, neither of them are, are going to be getting 10 sacks anytime. Tano uh, Passigno is really interesting. He's what, you know, six foot seven and 300 pounds as, a, as an outside linebacker. But again, he, he was really raw last year. He basically didn't play in, in, in his first year. So, yeah, it looks scary, doesn't it? Um, I'm, I love Chiefs fans for the record, by the way. They came to Wembley a couple of years ago and they were amazing. They are such great fan base. I love them. I love them. But yeah, it might be a, might be a bit of a rebuilding year there. We also lost Derek Johnson, correct? They dropped oh, yes. Derek yeah. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gone. And Reggie Ragland's kind of hanging around as well. But I, this is turning into just a chat about defensive scheme. But I think right, it's quite right. So let's do it. So generally what happens is Daniel Sorensen is the key because um, we talked about sub-package uh, linebackers earlier. In, in nickel and dime sets, and Daniel Sorensen comes up to play linebacker. So really there's only room for one linebacker that's productive there, which was um, Derek Johnson for most of the time there. It was, it was Reggie Ragland a little bit at the end of last season. They kind of shared the job. But given what they paid Anthony Hitchens, you've got to think it's going to be him. So in those sub-packages, you can have Hitchens and uh, Daniel Sorensen in the middle. Reggie Ragland's probably not going to be on the field. Um, maybe he will do in base sets uh, when they've got three um, linebackers out there. Maybe him and Hitchens will be playing together in times. But I don't really trust Ragland to be a brilliant IDP because he's not going to play that much. I've got him down for uh, 443 snaps uh, next year. So not a huge amount. Makes a lot of sense. So now that we've talked about the lack of the cornerback position, I might as well just um, go ahead and plug Kendall Fuller. I mean, he was phenomenally graded last year, and he's going to be a slack guy, sure. But if the defense is going to be as poor as maybe they may be, if it's uh, going to be a rebuilding year for him, he could see the field quite often. So maybe that might be a target later or at least someone to keep an eye off off the waivers. I'm not sure exactly if he's going to be on a on a roster consistently or not, but that's a name I would keep an eye on, especially if this rookie corner that we're both pretty much in agreement on, they're going to have to draft to be their number one and it might not go so well, especially if he isn't doing so well. Yeah, you might see a lot of work out of the slot for Kendall Fuller. I mean, that rookie is the player you're going to want, honestly, because Kendall Fuller's pretty good. So let's say they, they draft a cornerback um, in the second round, something like that. Who are we going to get? Anthony Averett, maybe? Uh, Isaiah Oliver might be there. MJ Stewart, Tavares McFadden. One of those guys. And all of a sudden, if he's out there playing a 1,000 snaps um, and doing a lot of coverage against uh, good receivers then then they're going to be really good I was all uh, Adoree Jackson's a great example from last year you know Adoree Jackson is prodigiously talented as an athlete pretty amazing he wasn't that great last year he was he was better than I thought he was going to be he was an average corner um, but he was getting he was getting picked on um, I believe he was the second most targeted cornerback in the entire league last year because they didn't have anyone else, so he had to play for the whole season. And, you know, oppositions uh, just went, we'll throw at the rookie. Looks a little bit raw. Thanks very much. No problem. Um, and avoid, um, who's the ex-Patriots uh, cornerback playing off him? Uh, Logan Ryan. Of course, uh, oh, Logan okay. Ryan was a far better player. So Adori was getting targets um, and, and turned out to be probably a top five fantasy option in most leagues. So the same thing may well happen in KC. All right, and uh, so building off of that understanding of you know, looking at player value or understanding how the different uh, how the different players can be scored and whatnot, we have a ton of offensive content that we can view almost at any time. You go to ESPN, Yahoo, or whatever. Everybody's looking at content for offensive players. But I mean, other than yourself, because I see your articles posted up, like to me, it almost seems like it's every day that I see something yours up, up you know, up on my timeline, which is great. But where else can I find some more information or there's some more content when it comes to IDP leagues in order to find out who's, who's a value, who's the next, you know, who are the sleepers? I mean, I don't really see so much of that information when it comes to dynasty or when it comes to IDP, uh, you know, types of format. So where can we go to find that type of content? It's pretty hard, honestly. One of the main reasons that I didn't mention about earlier that I got involved in the football world and IDP in particular because I wanted more of it and I, I really wanted to consume more of it and I wanted someone to tell me what was going on and it just didn't exist anywhere. There were a few people doing it, but not many. Um, and eventually I just thought, well, look, if no one else is going to make it, I'm going to make it um, and start doing it. But you're right, it is not as easy. So the number one thing that goes into IDPs, we've kind of touched on it a few times already today, is volume. You need to be on the field um, because defense is ultimately reactive. 
You can't choose which uh, defender is going to make a tackle in any one play. Not in the same way you can pick your running back is going to get carry or you can pick you're going to throw against your tight end. You're only reacting to what's in front of you. Therefore, volume is the most important thing because the number of opportunities to react to be the closest player always comes up. So the snap volume is tracked in a few different places. So Football Outsiders uh, do it. It's really good. Uh, Pro Football Reference do it. It's really good. But neither of them are very easily searchable. Uh, they don't have a single database that um, that plumps everything together so you can see it that. So, so I do all that manually myself. Uh, so basically, um, Tuesday afternoon or Monday afternoon and Tuesday afternoon after Monday night football, I put all of that weekly volume in one single spreadsheet and, and kind of look through and, and see what happened. You can see the trends easily. You know, you can see those guys that got injured and, and who stepped in from them. You can see who teams fa- uh, favour. So it, it's pretty easy if you've got the theater in one place. Uh, but at the moment, honestly, you have to do it yourself. There's a few places. Uh, I would say the DLF forums are brilliant. That's where I was hanging around before I was um, writing football. Uh, football Guys is excellent. Uh, IDP is brilliant. And, of course, the Twitter world is getting bigger and bigger and bigger in IDP. And there's a load of brilliant, brilliant people out there that, that tell me what to do uh, and that point me in the right direction. 100%. And uh, I think that it, that it is quite interesting in the fact that, again, it's a... If you were to look up some of the prominent uh, defensive players, you would come across those players that, at least when it comes to IDP, don't have a lot of value. Because if I'm hopping into a dynasty league, it's going to be IDP. I want to look for you know a big name defensive player. I'm going to pick you know I'm going to pick a Richard Sherman. I'm going to pick a JJ Watt, which you know he he has some more value than Richard Sherman. But I'm going to pick some of those players that might not have any value from a fantasy perspective because they're not going to be generating a ton of points. So it is quite interesting that, at least from a content perspective, what's out there doesn't necessarily point fantasy owners in the right direction. Does that does that sound right to you? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's about right most of the time. It, it's not always right in all positions, but there is quite a lot of that. A lot of those people who are big names are are generally not going to be that productive. We talked about cornerbacks. Uh, the other one is free safeties. You know, uh, and, and let's talk about safety a little bit. People shouldn't think they are a free safety or they are a strong safety. It's a sliding scale. Some players do a bit of both. Some players only ever line up in the box. Some players only ever line up deep and all the way in between. Um, so so you need to know each individual player really and kind of what they're asked to do in that scheme. Fortunately, that's really easy because all you've got to do is watch a load of football um, and you kind of pick that, that info up um, through osmosis anyway. So you don't need to watch Patriots every week to understand that Devin McCourty is a deep player. You know, It's pretty obvious with kind of just catching him every so often. Ed Reed is a classic. You know, everybody in the world knew knew what sort of player Ed Reed was, right? Because it was obvious. Um, Cam Chancellor is uh, the equivalent on the other side, and Old Thomas uh, very deep. So for all those guys, you just need to know the um, the, the people who are inside as well. Uh, George Loka, you know, can the average football fan tell you how George Loka lines up and what he does? Probably not. Kenny Vaccaro, great example. People still do not understand that Kenny Vaccaro is not that in-the-box uh, banger and hasn't been for at least a couple of years now. And everyone's going, why can't he get a job? He, he, he piles up the tackles. Well, that's why, because he plays in the slot and he's not particularly good at it. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I just think that is an education job, right? And, and that needs to be on the football world as a whole to make sure we're watching more football and we're we're analysing football and we're trying to work out what we can see rather than just swallowing what people tell us and, and say it's going to be good. So you can see it in draft season. Um, Malik Hooker uh, came into the draft last year and everyone was saying Malik Hooker is going to be amazing. He's so talented. He's such a good player. And he was. I really like him as a prospect. But as soon as I started watching him, his college shape from an IDP point of view, I was going, no, I'm, I'm never going to own him. I'm not going to, not going to have anything to do with him because he's a deep player. Um, he is a pure deep free safety ideally in a cover one scheme um or cover three scheme uh, depending on pick your poison he's not going to get that those opportunities to pile up tackles so i would rather have a much worse player in objective um terms let's say rayshawn jenkins uh xavier woods that went to uh, dallas both of those are nowhere near as talented as malik hooker but i want to have them on my team because they're going to be putting up tackles so we've transitioned into the little bit of the rookie talk. So we've seen every moment of the rookie process, at least I have, <laughs> watching every okay. single thing that's happened, you know, following the pro days, things like that. I just want to know if there's a specific moment or even a metric that outweighs all others during the process that means the most to you from an IDP's perspective. 
Oh, I wish there was, man. That would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? Um, so, full disclosure, I don't watch any college uh, football in the season, like, at all. Um, because, you know, we're, we're in funny timings, and I'm, I'm not totally sure I can justify with my family watching uh, football on Saturdays as well, and especially Saturday night. So I, I do all of my college scouting once, um, once the NFL season is over. So I just watch a lot now, but, you know, you're trying to watch every single prospect come out, apart from offensive linemen. So there's just a lot, right? You kind of have to take... Um, take it for given that that some players that people talk about are vaguely good and start watching those guys so no there's not the way i do it and you know it's just me i'm, I'm probably vastly wrong I'm, I'm certainly not and not an amazing scout because i split all the positions into the skills i want from those ones and then i grade people and i'm you know i grade people from one to five uh, one being very poor and two being poor and three being okay and four being good and five being very good and that's it because any more than that is is going to be incorrect more than it will be correct just because my own inadequacies grading a player so i basically do that and I kind of go through and change them a few times and i just do that and have a weighted average and give players a score and then you kind of look at the score and if it doesn't make sense and then you adjust some stuff and go back to the film and look at it so really no no one thing uh, creeps out it's just trying to watch a lot of players and you know you guys you've been watching football longer than me um so you know what to do you know what to look for at the different positions that you want so as an example the safeties i judge them on um, zone coverage man coverage uh tackle ability hitting different sort of thing for me uh blitzing turnovers speed uh specifically hips because i kind of want to see their uh their, their coverage transitions and their ability there their play diagnosis and their versatility and i look at all of that and it gives me a score um and obviously, I'm looking at it generally from an IDP point of view. So some players who I would normally rate a little bit higher, Deshaun Elliott from Texas this year, probably gets a little bit of a lower score. And then players I, I don't like so much in NFL terms uh, will probably get a bit more. Marcus Allen, I'm not sure I particularly like, but I think he's going to be a good IDP. And that's a question you ask because you, you want to – maybe somebody has the holy grail of information, but the point is nobody really has any idea. And you definitely hit the nail on the head from the – film perspective and then also at the combine there's some drills that make a little bit difference for different positions I mean I think it's fun to look at the broad jump for like the linebacker positions or those hitting position because you want to see how explosive they are if they're going to actually secure their tackles because as you mentioned earlier Luke Eakley if he gets his hands on you you're almost never going to get away from that tackle unless you're Alvin Kamara and that's huge because um like you talked about earlier with the almost sacks, um, can we start counting almost sacks because pressure is important too? Well, you don't get to count almost tackles either. So if your linebacker is going in and he's making the first hit, but he never secures the tackle because he's not a particularly explosive player, um, then he's not valuable for you. He's valuable for his team because the second and third guy is always going to make the tackle, but not particularly valuable for you because he's not making the tackle. So it's really up to you as the fantasy owner to identify what you like to look at, just as I like to look at the broad jump for the more explosive players. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I probably more a three-cone guy than anything else. Uh, just because I want to see sure, that, sure. that fluidity and that movement. But uh, you're right. I, you, know, you only pay attention so much to, to combine, don't you? If it was as simple as good combine equals good player then there wouldn't be this cottage industry around the draft it'd be really easy right so josh sweat is this guy that's come up people keep asking me if uh you know why i haven't got josh sweat in a mock draft in, in the first round i'm going he's not very good <laughs> he had an amazing combine and he ran really fast and he jumped really fast but you know when i watched him he, he's my number 11 edge or something like that uh just ahead of arden key who retired from football last year. Um, so I, I can't see Josh Sweat going. I, who knows? Maybe he'll go in the first uh, round. Maybe maybe the NFL guys will, will ignore the tape and just go, I can mould him and turn him into this beautiful thing. But I, I can't see it at all, quite frankly. Sam Hubbard tested terribly. Um, didn't Sam Hubbard have a, like, a 7.23 cone or something like that? Yeah. And I quite like him because he's got that high state kind of uh, white-collar, high-motor pass rusher. Um, he's never going to be very rapid, but his hands won't stop and his little legs are churning and churning away. Must be an absolute nightmare to play against that, that sort of player. Then again, he spent his whole college player being surrounded by um, the Bosa brothers. <laughs> if you're going to get work rate from someone, it's going to be those guys, right? Exactly, exactly. 
I can't think of a you know, worse combination to kind of work around it in that case. Huh. <laughs> so with your process laid out, I mean, so I can only imagine with, let's see, we've got the draft coming up here soon, probably knee-deep in college tape. So who are some of the guys that you have currently on your radar? Like, uh, I saw you that you put out an article recently on Derwin James from Florida, or Florida State, rather. And, I mean, is he one of those guys that kind of sticks out to you, or who else is on, on your radar as of right now? Yeah, Derwin James is oh, he's going to be spectacular, isn't he? I really, really like Derwin James. I, I love safeties anyway. Um, hands held up. You probably figured this out already. But I, I just think it's the most fascinating um, position in the NFL because players do so much. So Harrison Smith, I just love watching because he can do it all. He can line up deep and he can play in the box and he can play in the slot and he can cover and he can pass rush. He's just a brilliant, fun player to watch because a lot of players, you, you kind of watch them and you go, you've just done the same thing 50 times in a row exactly the same thing and you might be really good at it but you know it's not that interesting uh watching defensive tackles sometimes is not that thrilling uh but derwin jones can can do everything he i'm pretty sure he could be an nfl level player at linebacker at safety um maybe as a pass rusher and probably play in the slot as well he's phenomenal um so i'd, I'd be shocked if he made it outside the top what let's say seven or eight picks something like that you've got to think the bucks would uh seriously think about jumping on them if he if he fell that far the 49ers as well anyway top 10 pick so really excited because he can do it all his pass rush is gonna be really good whether he's gonna be a brilliant idp i'm not entirely sure because you're so flexible you can do it all so the the example is jamal adams who came out last year went uh fourth overall to the jets i think it was fourth overall something like that i believe you're right he was good he was good idp um but he you know he wasn't he wasn't amazing because he spent quite a lot of time uh in coverage and and you your opportunity to put up tackles in the running game is just quite lower. So I love Derwin James. I'm not going to have any shares because someone is going to love him more than me and someone's going to jump on him and take him in, you know, in the early second round in rookie drafts. And I just won't do that. But for me, he is head and shoulders above every other safety in the class. And Fournette was actually four. So I believe that would put James to five. Also fun tidbit is uh, Jalen Ramsey, really close friends with Derwin James says, uh, He's really trying to get the Jags to draft him, but since the Jags don't have the number one overall pick, it's impossible. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, he's probably going to be gone by that point. Oh, that FSU uh, secondary and the Ohio State uh, secondary from a couple of years was ridiculous. That was such a good unit. I, I tell you, let's talk about safety I quite like and see if you guys have watched him. Uh, Natrell Jameson. I haven't watched him yet. No one's talking about him. And, and I don't know why you, you talked about Tyrone Matthew earlier. And Buda Baker uh, was a rookie last year. Yep. When I watched Nature of Jameson, I see those two. He's a, he's a combination of um, free safety with range and speed and hard-hitting uh, slot corner that loves to come up uh, and take people out. So, I mean, he's little. He's, uh, I think he's 5 foot 10, uh, something like that, and, you know, slightly shy of 200 pounds. But he did 40 reps on the bench press at the combine. And he ran a four three forty. He is he is an exceptional um, athlete, and he's really really good fun. So there's not a lot of uh, game tape on him on YouTube, but but dig him out if you can because I really like him. I, I don't think he's gonna be a high pick. He'll probably end up going in the fourth or fifth round or something like that, and be kind of one of those camp defensive packs that that often just uh, disappear without a trace. But he's got a chance, uh, and I really like him. He's good fun. I know Chris in just a minute is going to tell us that we're wrapping it up, but you just brought up something super interesting I'd love to get to before we go. Um, so we know Tyron Matthew is now a Texan. Do you think that Buda Baker doing so well in the league may have had anything to do with the the opportunity the Cardinals saw in, um, in dropping him? Or I guess trading him, correct? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it depends how they use them this year. Uh, no, he was, he was cut in the end. Oh, I think you're right. Anyway. I think you're right. He was cut. Caps Who knows? I, I think it was it was partly that, partly um, they wanted the money back, uh, but partly because he just didn't necessarily fit into that uh, unit. So Steve Wilkes uh, came over from Carolina, and he brought over the linebacker coach from Carolina. Can't remember his name to be the defensive coordinator. So it'd be very it'd be very surprising if they didn't use that same scheme, right? So you've gone from the classic Arizona scheme of the last few years with a load of defensive backs on on the field, kind of buzzing around. And, and really defensive backs playing linebacker with Dayon Buchanan as well. And then all of a sudden you've got a much more um, coherent, traditional 4-2-5, um, obviously, as a base coming through. So you look at um, Buda Baker and think, well, he's probably going to be 
more a traditional safety than he will be um, a full-time slot player in that scheme. I would expect it uh, so. And then you look at Matthew and think, you probably don't need the both of them as well. So, so save your money and do that elsewhere. But it'd be really interesting to see what Matthew does in um, Houston because he's probably going to play deep, right? You look at um, you look at the, the signings they've made and what they've done. You think well, Matthew's not going to play in the slot because they gave Aaron Colvin a big old contract, uh, and he can only play in the slot. He can't do anything else uh, at all. So then you've got you know Dre Howe maybe going to play safety, but a bit further up. They're very changeable safeties in, in Houston anyway. And Matthew, you know, big name. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I see a, a really big fantasy season for him. Can I be the, the news of badness as well? I, I, I think Budabakis is going to be a bit disappointing this year. Not because he'll be bad. I really like him. I think he'll play full-time and he'll put up good numbers. Um, just because, obviously, he can't live up to the, the, the standards he set himself in those first two games where he had, like, four interceptions and three sacks and, and 20 tackles or something crazy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm being Debbie Downer on that one, I'm afraid. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> No, no, no. And once again, uh, we thank you again for taking the time to sit down with us. I mean, I've got names written down on uh, on a notebook, on a notepad right now that I'm going to have to go back and check out. Like before, like especially now with the rookies that are uh, the, from the incoming class, and also some players that I think are now going to be some interest to me. And hopefully, I think I, I'm not in currently in an IDP uh, league right now, but if I can get mm-hmm. into one. I'm going to have to get into one because now you guys have got my interest peaked when it comes to this particular format. So, again, we thank Tom tonight. Once again, Tom, can you let us know like where the folks can find your work at? Um, yeah, you can find most of the stuff I write on um, DLF. So if you've got a DLF description, have a go there. I publish a few things um, just uh, on my own, on my own little blog site anyway, um, just about football. But generally, you can find me on Twitter, at um, TomDegenerate football degenerate not you know a, a true degenerate um and i do a load of stuff for the dynasty command uh, center as well so if you're not familiar with that you haven't mentioned it then that's set up by curses patrick and ryan mcdowell and it's fun little um kind of private um full-on football um fantasy community so i do a lot of stuff there as well uh, the, some of the best in the business if, if i don't say so myself wonderful guys to interact with on twitter uh, so yes, 100%. If you guys have the time in order to get in with those guys, I mean, they will probably make your head hurt from the information they can provide you, but I'm <laughs> sure it's all well worth it. So Adam, uh, so let the folks know where they can find you at and then uh, go ahead and uh, let us out for the evening. Yes, yeah, so you can find me at DHH underscore Adam. Um, mostly working on this Dynasty Owners Manual and I can tell you that um, over these three episodes, I've gained so much more knowledge uh, just talking to people that are smart in their given field so we're doing this to tweak our game in the off season and there's never uh, never a bad time to do it so thank you so much for coming on tom and uh, i hope we gathered a few uh extra idp players in the community 100 percent. so again thanks you guys again for taking the time and uh, we will catch you guys next week